Hey everybody, welcome to this month's Metal Misconduct. I am Brian Slego from Metal Blade Records, and as always, we have somewhere on the line Sean Rourke from NHL.com. Are you there, Sean? I am. Checking in from parts unknown. Now, we were originally, we're actually doing this, uh, we're finally moving into technological world here. We're actually going to do, we're doing this uh, via Skype. And Sean was supposed to be on via Skype, but he's incapable of figuring it out, apparently. So he's still on the phone. But I promise next time we do this, uh, we'll get him on Skype and it'll sound good. Is that You have a month to get it together, Sean. You think you can do that? In a month, I can probably pull it together, Brian. I think, okay. I think we can make it happen. Yeah, that would be awesome because, you know, technology is good. And then, then it'll sound better. All of your witty, amazing takes will all be in much better quality. They'll be in surround sound, will they not, Dolby? Yeah, I don't know about that. That's a whole other, that's a whole other story. But it'll it'll sound good. <laughs> anyway, uh, enough of that nonsense. We do have, however, our amazing guest this month, who is with us via Skype, and we have to welcome. He's a college hockey insider. He's the managing director of HockeyReference.com. He knows everything there is to know about college hockey and probably hockey in general and a million other things. Anyway, very happy to welcome Adam Wooden to our podcast via skype adam how are you uh very good thank you guys for having me you sound way better than sean i like that <laughs> that's because my little Everybody baby is yelling right now me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so we want to get we've been talking about getting adam on here forever and we figured now is the perfect time because we were we are on the cusp of one of my favorite hockey tournaments in the entire world one which i've been to a whopping six times. I haven't been for a, a while, though, now, which is kind of driving me crazy, which is the we all know about March Madness and all the basketball sort of stuff. But in addition to the basketball going on, there's also hockey's version of March Madness. And we have the Frozen Four, which is coming up in Chicago, not this weekend, but next weekend, because obviously they're not going to compete with the NBA. And uh, so we've got the final four. Is all set. It's uh, Denver, Notre Dame, Harvard, and Minnesota Duluth, some of which are uh, very uh, exciting and new to have in there, especially like Notre Dame and Harvard. But where I wanted to start with you, Adam, was the biggest disappointment for me is the Boston University Terriers had really murderers row. Uh, I mean, probably one of the, the most amazing teams full of NHL prospects that I can ever remember. And they didn't even make it to the Frozen Four. How is that humanly possible? <laughs> well, they're asking themselves the same question, but, you know, the thing is with uh, college hockey, uh, of course, people who follow hockey and are hockey fans, you know, may know a lot of their players because they've been drafted highly and they're world junior tournament players. But when it comes to college hockey, they're still just 18 and 19 year olds. So as talented as they may be, uh, you're playing against a lot of 20, 21, 22, 23 year old sometimes and that experience you know that it's a cliche in sports but it really does matter and ultimately they lost to a team in overtime granted uh in minnesota duluth that has seven seniors who are probably in that 22 23 year old range who are also pretty good players so uh you know that's where the difference is and obviously already bu has lost a couple of their players to the nhl just uh, since they lost that game. so um, But that's the thing about college hockey. I mean, I think that's actually one of the good things because it keeps the playing field level a little bit. You have a lot of programs who go one way 
and bulk up on those blue chippers and a lot of programs that go the other way. And then there's a mix. So it really just depends. And uh, that's what makes it interesting. But you're just so people out there know, you're going to see already you're seeing, I mean, Kiefer Bellows made his debut the other night for the Arizona Coyotes, get a point in his first game. But I mean, this really team was stacked. You had, if you watch the World Junior Tournament, you see, you saw a lot of these guys play the, for the USA team. But you had Kiefer Bellows, who's now playing for the Arizona Coyotes. You have Jordan Greenway, who's a huge guy who should be an NHL star. You've got Charlie McAvoy, who's the, the Boston Bruins blue chip uh, defenseman who granted have anything massively having to him is going to be a, a future superstar. And he's now playing for the AHL team. They're probably going to be brought up by the Bruins. You've got Kiefer Bellows, who's an Islander draft pick, who's Brian Bellows' kid, who's also another superstar. And you've probably got four or five other guys, Clayton Keller. I mean, you've got so many amazing players on this team. I appreciate the young versus old sort of sort of thing. But I, I, I'm trying to remember going back. You know, I remember some of the BC and BU teams back in the day had – you know, two or three guys, or even Maine when they had Paul Korea. You had some of these players that, you know, some of these teams that, but I've never seen this many blue chip prospects on one team before. It's crazy. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, they, they're certainly, I think that, I think there was a record amount of first rounders. The problem is it was all this year. I mean, when you go back to some of those Boston college teams you're referencing, and you, when you look at it, they had guys who stuck around at least for three years. I mean, so you had guys like Chris Kreider, who was a first round pick. He was there as a junior and won a national championship. And then there was Johnny Gaudreau as a freshman that same year. So, yep. you know, it was it was more of a balance. Uh, and they managed to keep those guys. I mean, if, if these BU play now, like I said, two of them already, you know, you mentioned Keller and uh, McAvoy. But so far, Greenway has said he was staying. I don't know if that's going to hold. You never know with these guys. But if, if they manage to hold on to who they still have left, uh, you know, then then you're talking about really – being dominant next year. So, but you could tell all year. I mean, they Clayton Keller had the most talent, pure talent in college hockey this year. But, you know, the team had some ups and downs. So, I mean, it's it's kind of natural, I guess, that uh, that kind of thing happens. Yeah, and the the other thing with BU is they had a rookie, they had a rookie goaltender, and I think if you're going to talk about rookies anywhere, that's the place you're going to talk about it. Jake Ottinger had a great year, but uh, he was a rookie, and he had his ups and downs. Uh, you know, he's going to be in the draft this year, and I would assume next year he's going to be that much better for the experiences he had this year. Right, exactly. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's another one who hasn't even drafted yet. So um, that's going to happen this year. So, you know, I you see this. I mean, I guess there's not a lot to compare it to, I guess, because you don't have this many first-rounders usually. But, you know, just judging, like I said, based upon experience, uh, of what I've seen over the years, usually it, it it's uh, it takes a couple years, you know. I mean, it's usually the teams with a good amount of seniors that win championships. Yeah, that's true. Although, uh, by the way, interesting note. Uh, speaking of that, I mean, you know, Union won a couple years ago, and Gossespeer was what wasn't he a freshman when they he was won? A, he was a junior. Well, he was a junior. I'm sorry. Yeah. An interesting thing to note that uh, the Flyers just landed the biggest. Uh, free, well, the potentially the biggest free agent college player that also played at Union. I'm sure that Gossespierre had some sort of a uh, role in that, I would imagine. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. And uh, Gossespierre played with Mike Vecchioni as a freshman when they won the championship. This year, Vecchioni is a senior. Uh, one of the top two candidates for the Hobie Baker were probably the other one, Zach Aston Reese, who signed with the Penguins last week, already has two goals for the AHL team. So, 
you know, you see these guys make impacts right away, but I, I like those guys who stay four years. And, uh, you know, I think they, you know, if you're, if you're someone like Keller, I mean, he's ready for the NHL, but a guy like Vecchioni, I think is more prepared for the NHL now having stayed four years and becoming a leader and a captain and all that stuff. I think that helps. Well, yeah, and I was going to ask you about that because obviously there's a lot of controversy about, you know, it's one, the one and done NCAA college basketball players, but it's it's starting to be that way in the NCAA as well. You have Jack Eichel, who was one and done with BU last uh, two years ago and came in. Uh, obviously, you know, probably certainly ready for the NHL. He's a, he's a phenomenal talent. But you're seeing that more and more where guys come in and they'll play one year in college and then they'll go to, to the NHL. Do you feel that that's going to be a, 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 a problem moving forward? And do you personally have a problem with just a guy, all right, I'm going to come play for one year and then I'm out? I don't necessarily have a problem with it because, at least in hockey, they have a choice. So, whereas in, uh, I believe in basketball now, you have to go for a year uh, before you're allowed to be drafted. Whereas in hockey, a lot of them are already drafted. And they're making that decision on their own because they have options. They could go to the you know junior leagues. They could Austin Matthews went to Europe. Um, so those guys that are going, they're going because they want to, and they you know uh, I think represent college hockey well. I mean, if they're ready, they're ready. The only problem I ever have with it is the guy who just goes and you know never goes to class, <laughs> drops out after the season ends, and. Uh, you know, isn't really ready for the pros. And, you know, that that's where I think. But I, I've not really seen that happen. I mean, it's pretty rare. And actually, there's only been, I think there's only been three. In the last three years, each year, there's been three freshmen that left. So right now, it's right now the number is three uh, that have left so far this year as well. And it's really not that, that you know, that many uh, at this point. So we'll see. And, and really, it's just a function of the fact that there's just better players uh, and I think college hockey is sort of proud of the fact that a player of that high caliber chooses to go to college, even if it's just for a year. Because in the past, they never would have done that. Yeah, and and I don't know if you guys saw, but recently there was an article in the in the New York Times. And, you know, when you think about it, the, the player pool grows every year. The NCAA is bringing players over from Europe now. They're recruiting much more heavily than they did. But the the team pool is not growing, so the the players themselves have become so good that they're kind of freezing out some of the more marginal players, and everything's kind of rising rising to the top. And then the other thing is there's so few 18 year old freshmen in in NCAA hockey anymore that that players like Eichel and McAvoy and those guys are more outliers than normal, are they not at this point, Adam? Yeah, right. I mean, exactly. I mean, usually a guy who is you know, A minus or B level is not coming to college at a, as an 18 year old. It's only these really elite, elite guys who are doing it. Like Eichel, like you said, and um, uh, Zach Rowinski did it. Um, I'm trying to think who I'm forgetting over the last couple of years. Uh, Kyle Connor last year was a one and done 18 year old. I mean, it's, it's really the elite, elite guys. So Again, it's just I don't have a problem with it. Uh, you know, the, the issue with there not being enough teams is a whole different story altogether. Uh, you know, hockey is an expensive sport, obviously, and it just makes it barriers difficult for universities to start. But there definitely there, there is a lot more talent than there used to be. And very there's only been a couple teams added in the last, you know, 20 years. So uh, it's certainly room for more. But 
it's a kind of sort of an age-old thing in college hockey circles. I mean, on College Hockey News, which is my main site, collegehockeynews.com, quick plug, um, that's, you know, we write about this all the time and uh, who's going to be the next team. And it's just so difficult because people always ask me, oh, this is such a natural. I'm like, yeah, but they need $100 million. So unless you give it to them, they're not going to do it. So it's it's a catch-22. Well, that begs me to now go to one thing I that I had to talk to you about. Now, I'm a West Coast guy. I'm a huge <clears throat> college hockey guy. So one of the big stories of the last couple of years is that Arizona State University moved up to Division One hockey, the first West Coast team. to, to Well, not the first one because there was also uh, in San Diego the universe. I'm forgetting the name. U.S. International. The, U.S. International. They played <laughs> Division One for a couple of years. I went to probably 10 games down there. Like, I remember wow. when Maine was the big team. They came in and they played in a little practice ring in San Diego. But right. for me, that was a dream because I'm a massive college hockey fan. And it's, just, it's tough to get to see any of the games because obviously they're in places that aren't necessarily the best place for me to get to. But anyway, um, so Arizona State's in Division One. You know, they're, they're kind of taking their lumps, but they had a couple of big wins this year. And clearly the program is moving forward. And there's been a lot of rumors and momentum and stuff about other teams coming in and have them be having some sort of a either a Pac-12 or a Pacific division. I know that the University of Arizona has been talked about. I know that uh, UNLV in Las Vegas is actually getting fairly close to making something happen from what I'm hearing. And then you've got, you know, you've got the usual, you know, UCLA, USC, Utah, all these other teams that are talking about yeah. coming in. Washington and as you, would be good, too. Washington, exactly. And as you mentioned, the, the biggest problem with this is why it doesn't happen is that you've got to get at least, I think, uh, ASU got a $30 million grant. And that was just for the program itself and not for an arena to house them, which is kind of the, the next area that they're going into. So what's the latest that you're hearing on any sort of West Coast thing? And is it real or is it not real? Where are we at? Yeah, I, I mean, I hear things all the time, and, and a lot of, the, I mean, most of the time, almost all the time, it's some club coach or some, you know, fan or friend of the club team at those schools trying to stir the pot, you know, and uh, get the excitement going. And I always say, you know, come back to me when you've got your hundred million, because <laughs> until the, until that happens, it's just it all the you know wishful thinking in the world you know it wanting to do it is not the problem if every club coach in america who wanted to go d1 did we'd have a thousand teams it's not you know it's not for lack of wanting to um they they need they need the money and even arizona state i mean 30 million i mean that 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 helps with the scholarships and whatnot but the arena situation is you know as tricky there as it is for the coyotes <laughs> and uh they're trying to do in fact they try to do something together and that didn't work out so that's the stumbling block right now for them getting into a big conference yeah i think that uh you know the one the other big problem is that there's the title nine issue as well where with title nine the way it works in in college in a university you have to have the same number of men's teams as you do for women's teams so that is another big problem because you can't just add a program and certainly within ice hockey on the West Coast, it's going to be impossible to to add a, a program of both men's and women's hockey. So you've basically got to drop some other men's sport and or add on an additional women's uh, sport as well. So it's, it's a real tricky issue. But I do know that, that there's been rumors and stuff, and, and people have been talking about this for years, but it does seem like there's some momentum now. Once, In other words, once the first domino falls with ASU – uh, hopefully some of these other ones w will fall. I do know that, that, you, that, believe it or not, UNLV, even though they're not part of the Pac-12 or anything, they're getting fairly close because, you know, they obviously with the, with the uh, Golden Knights coming in, 
the UNLV played a couple of games at, at T-Mobile Arena, and they easily could, you know, that place, you know, could use some extra tennis. So they could easily play some games there. Um, but supposedly they're pretty close to getting, supposedly they've got, same thing, they need the 30 or 40 or 50 million. It's allegedly, from what I understand from people in, inside the organization, they're like 25 or 30% their way there. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely one of the people I've heard from, believe me. I, you know, I get these emails and say, do something on us. But I always ask for a little bit more concrete, you know, info before going ahead with that because they wouldn't be the first. But it's good to hear that, you know, if they're legitimately moving in that direction, I mean, I think that would be fun, you know. Uh, again, you know, these – it's going to be a little tricky still. I mean, Arizona State, for example, is still looking for a conference. And so, like, you know, it's uh, – at, at, they tried to get in the NCHC, which is sort of the biggest conference in college hockey right now, and even that's geographically diverse, but not 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 so much as Arizona. And uh, the, the league there just didn't think that they were ready for the big time yet. So uh, now they're scrambling around looking for something else, and it's just sort of, you know, it would be nice if six Pac-12 teams just came in at once, but you know, it's it's hard to do that obviously and coordinate that. So even if UNLV did come in. You know, there's still this, you know, where do they go? What happens? Um, so it's it's all interesting. It gives me something to write about all the time. But uh, um, I, I'd say the proof's in the pudding. So I'd love to see it, though. And Arizona State, I mean, you know, it, I, I wish them well. I mean, I'm hoping they did. They, they certainly made strides this year. Um, and, and from what I hear, they are, you know, closing in potentially on uh, perhaps joining the WCHA, which is uh, sort of a mid-major conference right now but it would be somewhere to go so they'd have at least a home and i can't imagine it's very difficult to recruit there <laughs> well that's true and <laughs> they are uh, apparently i mean they've gotten a bunch of transfers and they are doing a decent job of recruiting I'm, I'm not a big recruiting guy so i couldn't tell you specifically but from what i understand i mean they are getting some pretty good recruits but it's still going to take time obviously and uh you know the one difference and this is not a knock i mean when penn state started they, they brought in Guy Godowski, who had gone to the NCAA tournament as a coach at Princeton, had been a Division One head coach a long time. Greg Powers, who's the head coach at Arizona State, I mean, he's still getting his feet wet. He's He's been the club coach and didn't really have Division One NCAA experience. And he's a good guy, and I think he'll do a decent job, but he's still sort of ramping up. It might take them a little longer than Penn State. Do you, do you think that the Penn State success, and obviously a lot of it had to do with the the money that came from the Pagulas who owned the Bills and, and, and the Sabres. But do you think the fact that they were able to become competitive so fast kind of accelerates this conversation in other places? Because let's face it, universities do sports as advertisements for the most part, right? They want their teams right. to be successful because then the name gets out there and it helps with, it helps with recruiting students. You know, people want to go to Syracuse because they had a good basketball team, a good football team. You know, it, they're on TV every day. Yeah. They're in the papers. So do you think that the fact that Penn State, I mean, that was, what, a three, four year uh, from start to they made the NCAA tournament this year and, and accounted themselves pretty well. Um, yeah. Do you think that changes the landscape a little bit? Well, the, the, yeah, this is technically the fifth year, but their fourth year, really, I guess. Uh, the first year was sort of a ramp up year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree that it probably raises eyebrows. I mean, especially in the Big Ten, you've got schools like Iowa, Illinois, who are naturals, uh, really. And people have been talking about them forever, just like they did Penn State before it finally happened. It, it just The problem is, again, I just feel like it comes down to that money issue. And I, um, 
that no matter how badly Iowa may want to do it or Illinois may want to do it, they're just not going to going to do it unless someone donates a lot of money. Uh, that's the that's the thing. Um, and and I'm not saying it might not happen, but um, but I you know, I think the desire has been there for a while for a lot of these schools, and that this doesn't necessarily add to that desire. You know, so there's an interesting point I want to bring up, and I don't know how much Sean can comment on this at all, but there's a very realistic chance at this point that the Arizona Coyotes are going to be out of there because they they can't play in the arena they're in. It's not looking particularly very good that they're going to be able to get an arena built there without any public funds. So they may have finally exhausted all of their potential places to play out there, unless they're going to stick it out in Glendale and lose a bunch of money. I can't see that happening. So... So let's just say that the Coyotes do end up moving in the next year or two. Then that kind of makes Arizona State the lone hockey beneficiary there. I mean, do you think that that could be going a big role of them, you know, making something actually happen there? Well, are you asking me or Sean? (laughs) Well, I guess I'm asking you first because I'm not sure what Sean can say or not say. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's interesting to know whether it would help or hurt, you know, and the funny thing is everyone always, uh, people who are just NHL fans of, you know, friends of mine are always ripping Gary Bettman. And I'm always defending him because when I look at around college hockey these days and I see the amount of players from the Sunbelt states that are now Division One hockey players, and of course that doesn't even include Austin Matthews, who you know about, um, it is directly, directly attributed to the Sunbelt NHL teams being there. And so... From that standpoint, I would hate to see uh, the Coyotes leave uh, just from a U.S. hockey standpoint because they've generated a lot of uh, youth hockey in that area. And, and who knows who the next Austin Matthews is? So I don't, I don't know if it'll directly help uh, Arizona State or not to have them, that being the whole them being, you know, the only focal point for hockey in that area for major hockey. But I think it's just better to have more of it, frankly. I think they would prefer the Coyotes stay there. Well, I think everybody would prefer it. I mean, you know, look, I, I had a, a residence in uh, in Phoenix for a long period of time, so I've have been there since before the Coyotes were there, and since they were there, clearly they need it would be best for them to stay there. And I mean, forget Austin Matthews, who, you know, you've also got Matthew Kachuk, who was born in Scottsdale, Arizona, and you know, spent a lot of his youth there. So you have two of the you know probably biggest you know two of the let's say five or six major superstars in the next ten years that both came out of Arizona, which never would have happened if the Cuddies weren't there. But, right. you know, it's a difficult process there. And it's, you know, I mean, they're going to fight to the nail because it's also one of the larger TV markets in there. I mean, the Suns need a place to go. And, but the, the unfortunately, the political climate in Phoenix is such a gigantic mess. I mean, this is why they ended up moving all the way out to Glendale anyway. And for people that, that don't understand, well, it's not, Phoenix is not a good hockey market. It's not going to work. It's like, okay, let's just imagine that you took the Toronto Maple Leafs and put them two and a half hours outside of put them in Hamilton, for example. Right. Would that you know, would all those people from Toronto go to Hamilton to, to see the game? I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's it, or or pick any team, pick the take the Pittsburgh Penguins and put them in Wheeling. You know, I mean, that's really where Glendale is. Glendale is an hour and a half from where everybody lives in 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 Arizona. It's just it's yeah. was the dumbest move they could ever make. But it's then not a fair uh, it's not a fair comparison yet without you seeing how they would be with a stable situation. Believe me, as an Islander fan, I get uh, political fiascos. <laughs> yeah, you're in the midst <laughs> and, of that and, as, as well. Yeah, and not only that, but let's not forget, like Pittsburgh could be right where Pittsburgh is 
And if they're not winning, people aren't going. Before Sidney Crosby showed up, people weren't going to the old Mellon Arena. And, you know, uh, when when Phoenix was good, before they were the Arizona Coyotes, when they were Phoenix Coyotes, the year that they played uh, the Kings in the Western Conference Final, I was at those games, drove back and forth. And that was a great building. It was full. The fans were excited. People are going to support a winner. They're not going to support a team that's not winning. And, and Arizona is, you know, second from the bottom right now. And, and haven't been to the playoffs since that series against the Kings. So I, I think the other thing is, you know, you, you need to see a team when they're doing well, how well they do where they are. And they would clearly do better if they were closer to downtown, but they haven't helped themselves by not being competitive. Well, yeah, I, I mean, look, obvi- obviously, if you're not competitive, people aren't going to go. But but I think the team would be in much better shape if they actually had an arena near where people want to go even if they're look if they're going to be good in the playoffs people will go it's it's a it's a city you know similar to los angeles or a lot of places where you know if you're good people are into it if you're not good there's a million other things you could be doing out there uh other than going to hockey games but uh, but anyway i digress <laughs> so we have the final four denver notre dame harvard and minnesota duluth uh are you surprised that any of those teams made it i mean i guess specifically notre dame well, um, someone just asked me that earlier, and not really. I mean, you know, the thing is, in collegehockeynews.com, again, slipping that in there, um, early in the, our preseason rankings, we had them sixth. So it's hard to say I'm completely surprised. I mean, Notre Dame's always been this team on the cusp. And, you know, when you're talking about they were, you know, when you're going into the NCAA tournament, they were 13th seeded overall playing the four seed, Minnesota. The gap between four and 13 in college hockey right now is so minuscule that it's really hard to say that that's really that big of an upset. I mean, it's happened so many times in recent years um, that that four seeds in that situation have beaten one seeds. And then, uh, you know, four seeds have won the tournament in recent years. I mean, Providence was the last team in the tournament two years ago and won the championship. So... Uh, and, then, and then, you know, the more surprising, perhaps, is the second round when they beat Lowell because Lowell had spanked Notre Dame a bunch of times recently. And that's just a matchup situation more than anything. So it was interesting to see them finally get over that hump. So I'm not that shocked, really, I mean, at, at surprise at all. I mean, Notre Dame's got some some high quality players, blue chip players. Anders Bjork is going to be a good player in the future, probably in the NHL. Um, and their goaltender is uh, has like some 86 games consecutive start streak. Uh, and a 9.30 save percentage, so uh, that's pretty good right there. So they've got you know lots of talent, and not surprising. I think Denver and Duluth are definitely you know they've been number one and two the whole year, pretty much. I mean, right out of the gate. So certainly not a surprise there. What makes Denver so good? Well, Denver and Duluth, I think, are similar in that they're just every facet of the game. They just don't have a weakness. Um, you know that's. Obviously, recruiting, coaching, the whole the whole nine yards. Um, the only issue with Duluth going into this season was goaltending, and they solved that pretty early on. So uh, Denver, of course, has probably more blue chippers than Duluth has, and maybe that gives them slightly more of an edge. I mean, everyone knows about Troy Terry nowadays. Uh, has been phenomenal at Denver. Uh, Henrik Borgstrom, a, a Florida Panthers pick, who's just uh, got lights out skill. Uh, so they have... But they, but they also supplement that with the seniors. And the Hobie Baker finalist is a defenseman, Will Butcher, who's a Colorado Avalanche property. I don't know if he's going to sign there for the season or not. They might let him go. But 
Um, so they have a bunch of seniors as well. So there really is not a weakness on Denver, and they really are really well coached. I mean, the guy who's the coach there now, for those who don't know, is Jim Montgomery, who won a national championship at Maine in 1993 as a player, uh, wound up getting into coaching after a long pro career, uh, won two championships in the USHL, and took over the program that was pretty good already and has brought it back to uh, its lofty heights of the past. So, I mean, he's really proven himself to be a phenomenal young coach in college hockey right now. So it's really difficult to 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 pick of these four teams, obviously, because the one thing about college hockey is that you just you, the best team could not be like you said. You've got young guys and stuff out there, but I mean, is there any way? And obviously, I know what the answer is going to be, but I have to ask <laughs> it anyway. Is there any way that Denver can't win this tournament? I mean, they, they seem to be such an amazing team. Well, if you had to pick one, you know, and you had to put money down, you'd put it on Denver, but. That's like splitting hairs. I mean, if if you if all things being equal, all four teams had a twenty five percent chance to win, I would put Denver's chance at like thirty five percent, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so that means that there's still a sixty five percent chance they don't win. So um, it's just it's so close, and the games are close. And Denver, of course, just lost their you know conference tournament semifinal a couple of weeks ago to North Dakota. And so, you know, North Dakota didn't even win their first round game. So it's, it's so these teams are so close. But I mean, you know, the way they're playing and the way that they're built, uh, I would say that they are the slight favorite. The, the one team we haven't talked about in the tournament is Harvard um, and, and Ted Donato's coaching them. And, and they're, they're kind of a unique team in, in that there's not that's kind of the one major conference that gets forgotten about a lot, forgotten about a lot, just because of the schools that they have and the profile that they have. Um, do they have do they have a legitimate chance to spring a couple upsets here? I absolutely uh, believe. I mean, you know, the ECAC is kind of near and dear to my heart. That's all the Ivy League schools are, and uh, six others as well, because that's where I went to school in Ithaca, not not Cornell, but next door to it. At the, uh, the the sister the neighbor school at the college, but I, I mean I I was kind of reared on college hockey at Cornell, and um, so it's always been near and dear to me. But they did have a period of time in the late two uh, thousands where they just you know the teams had fallen off, recruiting had fallen off, and they just weren't competitive with the rest of the country. But that came back pretty quickly for a variety of reasons. We could be here all day talking about, but. Um, the recruiting really got better and better, and Harvard always had pretty good recruit, and they were always able to get players in there. But when Ted Donato came in, he was remember he was right out of the NHL um, when he when he took that job as an alum in 2005, I think it was, and uh, it took him a while to really figure out the coaching thing. I mean, it's not just something you can step in, especially in college when there's so much into it. You know, it's fundraising, recruiting, and alumni dealing, you know, all that stuff. Um, so it took them a while. And now the last few years, they've really got it figured out. And obviously they had Jimmy VC last year. Um, you know, everyone thought when he left, oh boy, you know, they're not going to do that good this year. But guess what? And, you know, they come back with seven seniors. There you go. And uh, sometimes that formula puts them over the top. They got a lot of talented players too. And all those guys coming back. And I think that's been the recipe for them. And, you know, you had in a, like I said, the uh, experience of their coach, and uh, they ha- they have a freshman defenseman named Adam Fox, who's really a dynamite. Uh, that really, I think, gave them a dimension they hadn't had before on the back line. 
And uh, Ryan Donato's Ted Donato's son, who's another Boston Bruins draft pick, who's a sophomore now this year, he took another leap this year, and he's just been phenomenal. So he's really replaced what VC had had done for them. So yeah, I mean, I give them a certainly legitimate shot. And ECAC has won two national championships in the last five years or four years, I guess it is, thirteen and fourteen. So uh, they've bounced back as a conference as a whole, and uh, there's no reason why they can't have a, a you know a great shot at it. So obviously, we you know we know about all the big names that are coming out, and you know played the World Juniors and all these you know potential guys that <clears throat> that are going to come from from hockey straight to the NHL and be big stars there and the guys who are just signed there. Is there anybody that you can see that's kind of not on everybody's radar screen somewhere that, that you feel is actually going to be a really good NHL guy? Cause the one thing I noticed about college hockey is there's always, there's usually some guy that, that plays for two or three years that is kind of a really good player for a certain team, but doesn't get the big accolades or the big spotlights that others get that all of a sudden comes in out of the blue and becomes a solid NHLer. Yeah. Boy, you're really putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, Come but, on, that's what we do here. <laughs> but I guess if I just you know throw out a name and I'll hope you know come back in a few years, I'll I'll look like a genius or else just everyone will forget about it. But um, the the one guy when I put out my my uh, Hobie top ten list this year, uh, you know my personal selections for you know who should be the top ten. Uh, there was a few names in there that weren't on the actual eventual top 10. And the one of them that I thought was the most deserving is Joe Gambardella, who is a Staten Island native, uh, who just signed. He's just finished his senior year. Lowell lost last weekend. And uh, he signed with Edmonton this week as a free agent. And if there's one guy I want to point to, I mean, that's the kind of prototypical. I mean, he's not big, but he's got a lot of heart and he's been really clutch in his career. And really smart, you know, hockey sense, that kind of thing. Staten Island guys is going to be tough. <laughs> and uh, I just, you know, there's there's the one name I'm going to throw out there for you. I had him in my top ten. That he wasn't really on anyone else's radar as being a, a Hobie finalist, but I thought he deserved to be on there. Cool. I'm going to throw out a name. I mean, probably a little more known than than who you are <laughs> mentioning, but a guy that I really liked that was, you know, he's in the top ten of the Hobie Baker, and you know, a lot of people. Liked him, but I, I don't know that he was considered, you know, one of the top guys. But it's Spencer Fu, also from Union College. Who right. I've when I've seen him play, he looks like he could be one of those guys that could quietly sneak in and, and be a solid NHL player. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was interesting. I you know he he's uh, announced his intention to leave Union after three years, although he hasn't actually signed yet. So I guess he just wanted to put that uh, speculation to bed. Um, yeah, there's a lot of rumors the Oilers because he, you know, he's he's from Edmonton. He's a Canadian guy, Canadian kid. So right. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, and his brother is coming into Union next year, so a lot of people thought maybe he'd want to stay and play with him, but I guess not. So uh, he's got great hands. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. Him and Vecchioni together, great combination. They didn't actually play on the same line though a lot at a lot of the season this year. So the numbers they put up were pretty legit. Uh, even without each other together. So because you know, a lot of people think, oh, Fu's numbers, you know, just because of Vecchioni, but not really. I mean, that didn't actually play together that much. So his, his numbers are legit. He definitely has great hands. So I'm I'm with you there. I'm always, like I said, I'm always partial to those uh, ECAC guys. We'll see how they do. I was I was a big fan of Gostas Barrel. He was drafted, but I mean, oh. I don't I don't think anyone expected him to be that good. I remember seeing him as a freshman, just being like, whoa, you know, like 
is anyone talking about this guy? And, well, uh, I, don't, I don't know about that because, I mean, I remember watching them, you know, watching Union go through it the year that they won the championship. I mean, he was like a, a, definitely one of those men amongst boys sort of thing where, yeah. I mean, the guy was so phenomenal. You figured he's got to be good at the next level. I mean, he's struggling a little bit this year, but yeah. I'll tell you what, though, the Flyers in three or four years are going to be the Edmonton Oilers. They have an unbelievable <laughs> amount of talent coming up, and I, I can't see how they're not going to be one of the top teams. But yeah. And Goss well, certainly being one of them. Extol is uh, definitely doing, you know, for a guy I hated as a player, he's doing a good job as a GM. But, uh, you know, but Gossip Bear was a junior when already when they won that championship. So, I mean, yep. he's a, but as a freshman, I don't think really anyone was, t- he was from Florida. You know, he was, I mean, he wound up being a decently high pick, but uh, I think third round. But, you know, when I saw him, I was like, oh my God. And then that, that championship game, you're fr- that's like the best single game performance I've ever seen in college hockey. Yeah, um, the guy insane. was unbelievable. So you you can go on YouTube and see like just the Goss Despair highlights from the final, and they're like three minutes long, you know, like play <laughs> after play. <laughs> you know, so this kind of circles us back to where we started at the beginning when we were talking about Vecchioni a little bit and how he's one of the Hobie Baker finalists. Obviously, none of us are scouts to the level where you know we're giving input to teams and stuff. But you've seen him play a lot, and you know what the knocks on him are, and you know what his strengths are. What do you see at that next level for him? Well, yeah, as as much as I love him as a college player, and let me just preface this by saying I hate when people put down college players for being too small or not, because I think we've seen over and over and over again that lately, at least the last 10 years, that has not been an issue. I mean, guys like Gaudreau and whatnot, uh, Gianta, Cam Atkinson, I mean, these guys are all able to do it in the NHL. So it's not that. It's just that I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure he has that kind of shiftiness that those guys have. So I, I guess I'm just on the fence. I'm Vecchioni as an NHL player right now. Um, we'll see. I mean, the Flyers will give him a chance, and it it doesn't cost them really much, and it you know it doesn't hurt. So I, I I'll root for him to do well. I guess I'm not as convinced as I was, you know, on some of the other free agents. But he's definitely got great, you know, leadership, hockey sense. Uh, he can he can skate. It's just I'm not quite sure he's got that one little extra thing. So we'll find out. Well, this one, I guess, kind of in the same in the same sentence goes out to, to both of you, but first Adam is, so where do you think he, because v- Jimmy VC was a pretty similar player as well, you know, a guy who signed with the Rangers and, you know, kind of came from the same, you know, college background, and, you know, how do you think he's fared with the Rangers, and then I guess we could ask Sean, since he's, he's right there, how he feels yeah. he thinks he's fared with him. Well, just quickly, I'll let Sean, but I mean, I, I mean, VC to me was always a better pro prospect. I mean, that's a guy who's been through the national program. He's uh, he's bigger than Vecchioni, you know, he's so it's a different kind of a player in that sense. And I always felt that he would do well in the at the NHL level. Uh, I was hoping, praying. I knew it was a pipe dream that the Islanders would sign him, not the Rangers. But um, so, it, you know, and he's had his ups and downs, obviously, uh, this year. So but I think he'll be fine long term. Yeah, you know, it's so hard to to figure out what these guys are as as rookies. Um, you know, I think tonight Vessi's going to be scratched for right. for mm-hmm. the Rangers. He's he's kind of fallen healthy scratched. Yeah, healthy scratched. Um, so, uh, which is a little bit of a shock, but uh, you know, I, I, a the Rangers are in a position that they're probably not going to get out of. They're probably going to finish in that in that first wild card, unless the Penguins who have like four healthy players 
continue to slide <laughs> down the standings. Um, but but they're pretty much locked into that first wild card. They don't have a ton to play for. Um, so I think Elaine Vigneault, their coach, is trying to figure out what his best lines are, what his best his best twenty is. Um, so you know, I think he might see some different guys not play. Ryan McDonough's not playing in the in the game tonight um, because he has a very minor injury. I think that he would play otherwise. And so I don't want to read too much into that. Um, but it seems like he struggled a little bit more lately, um, and part of that might just be the long season. But the other thing you have to remember is a lot of guys struggle early on, and, and to me, the one, and he's not a college kid, but you, you know, you look back at, at Joe Thornton's first year, and he was one of the biggest busts in, in, in hockey. And now, you know, he's a, he's a surefire Hall of Famer, one of the best passers the game's ever seen. Sometimes you've got to let these kids grow up, and, and the game is so demanding now of instant success that I, I think teams get themselves in a bind a little bit by cutting bait on guys um, before they should because of, of what's going to happen. And I think, you know, you look in Florida and you see Marshall Saul or you look in Montreal and you see Paul Byron, like these are guys that took a couple of years to figure out what the NHL was. What about right there on the Rangers with uh, Kevin Hayes? Yeah, Kevin Hayes, exactly, and Jimmy Hayes in Boston. I mean, there's a lot of pressure in Boston for Boston to get rid of Jimmy Hayes after this is over because he's just been not very good at all. Um, but sometimes you have to wait, and I don't know when you're when you're not a bad team, you don't really have that luxury of waiting. So I, I think the next couple of years are going to be really interesting for Jimmy. The, the biggest difference is, compared to those other guys, is the expectations he has on his head. Um, because of the way he went about coming into the NHL and the way that he, you know, he decided that he was going to pick where he went. And, and that's by all means, that's his right. That's everybody's right. But he made a lot of enemies uh, along the way. And there's a lot of fans that I think in the NHL who are hoping that he's not as good as everybody thinks he was going to be because he spurned a lot of teams a, a, along the way to get to where he wanted to be. Um, so you know, I, I know Elaine Vigneault said that he's still going to be in the playoff mix when they play, but I, I can't imagine this is the high point of his season right now. Well, and you, you know, there's a couple other guys, and not to um, rub any salt in the wounds of Adam here, but you know, Nino, Nino Niederreiter, who's <laughs> really the yeah, to bring that up. The, I know the Islanders <laughs> gave up on. He's now a 20-30 goal guy with uh with minnesota and then also justin schultz who kind of you know waited it out and went to edmonton and kind of bounced around and all of a sudden he's found a home in pittsburgh where he won a stanley cup last year and and is playing phenomenal hockey this year especially without without letang being there so there's a lot of those guys that but i, but I do agree with sean it, it just you know so many of these players come up and have instant success teams just don't they don't have the patience they used to anymore but i i wonder if that's going to cease to be the case because they're we can sit here for the next 30 minutes and and find guys who started with one team and bounced around and, and finally found the right team and became successful yeah well there, i mean there's no better example than martin st louis um but you know and that's a college guy right there and a small guy all the things we're talking about but i think the other difference is and and i get this sense and i don't know that it's true but i always get this sense that everybody seems to have a little more patience with the guys that they drafted because there seems to be this, um, this notion that draft picks are more valuable capital, right? So if you, if you sign a player as a free agent, like uh, Vecchioni and he doesn't work out, it didn't really cost you anything. It costs just some money. Not doesn't matter. 
when when you don't hit on a first or second round pick, that's an embarrassment. And I I think in today's game there's no difference, right? Like the, every piece of capital in a in a in a salary cap world is equal. Every every outlet that you have to bring in players is equal. And you know if you don't hit in the draft, then you need to hit when you sign free agents or you need to hit both. Like I think Chicago's done a, a fair amount of both. They've hit on a lot of college free agents. They've hit on some international free agents and they've drafted well. Um, but I do think that in the NHL, there's this, this mindset that you have to hit on your draft picks and it's okay if you don't hit on your signings and, and you can kind of cut bait with them a little bit earlier than you would with a draft pick. So, yeah. um, you know, I, 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 I I fear that that's the case, and I fear that it's very easy with some of these players to to kind of say, "Oh well, we, it didn't really cost us a draft pick. It didn't cost us any capital, but it did." So uh, you know, I, I'm curious if that mindset will change a little bit well, as we go forward. But right now, it seems to be more about the draft picks. I was going to say, as a as an Islander fan, I mean, I'm more just you know, I guess a fan because I don't directly cover the NHL, but I feel like I know a little bit more about what's going on than. I guess normal fan, but just be, I mean, from the from an NCA perspective, one of the things that drives me crazy. I mean, we can I could fill you an hour on what drives me crazy on Garth Snow, but um, but one of the things that really rankles me the most is that they are never in on any of these college free agents, and I don't know if that's just because their scouting staff is so limited because of funds, or they just fail to identify them. But uh, I see all the teams around them in the Atlantic signing college free agents all the time, the Rangers and Pittsburgh, especially. And it's like free draft picks, you know, and uh, it's, it's at least a shot uh, for guys that really, and it costs you nothing. So I think you do need to have that all hands on deck mentality. And, and Pittsburgh has been tremendous at, it. I mean, they, they basically won the cup. Uh, you know, they have Crosby and Malkin, obviously, but they supplemented with so many of those kind of guys last year. They're like the darlings of uh, college hockey fans because of what they put together last year. Yeah, and, and you and the, sorry, it's the way that they prepare them too. Like I actually went to Wilkes-Barre this weekend um, to see a game, and I'm going back uh, this week to kind of do a story on on that pipeline that went from from Scranton Wilkes-Barre to or Wilkes-Barre Scranton. I don't want to upset Wilkes-Barre yeah. to, <laughs> to Pittsburgh. Um, and basically won him the cup, right? Like it was the Kunakles and it was the Shearies and it was the Matt Murrays and it was all those guys. And it actually trickles all the way down to Wheeling, you know, that Brian mentioned before, um, you know, they have that Wheeling to Wilkes-Barre to Pittsburgh pipeline. Um, and I, I don't know that there's anybody in the league that does it better than the Penguins. They've made the playoffs at the AHL level every year. They've been in Wilkes-Barre. I think this is year 15. So they're constantly competitive. And they're constantly sending players up this year. You know, it's Gunsel, it, it's Sunquist keeps going up and down. Uh, Pouillot goes up and down. Um, so, you know, they're kind of that perfect. And then they do, because they use so much movement back and forth, they have to reinforce them. So that every year at the end of the year, they sign new college free agents and they kind of fill in for the guys that have gone up to the going up to the NHL and, you know, you mentioned the guy that joined him this weekend. He scored at the game. I was at the defenseman and his name slips my mind right now, but uh, you know, I, I think they kind of have it figured out and exactly how you should do this. Well, Zach Aston Reese is the Northeastern uh, Hobie finalist who they just signed as well. And he scores, he's scored twice already. I think he's got four points in four games or something like that, but uh, he's going to be the, he's going to be the next one. You watch. Well, didn't he lead? Uh, didn't he lead the NCAA in scoring as well? Yeah, he's still currently the uh, 
goals and points leader. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of played on a high-flying team in Northeastern. And the only reason they didn't do that well this year is their goaltending was sub-900 uh, save percentage. So, you know, it kind of looks bad for him on a, on a non-winning team. But it wasn't his fault, I would say. He's a six-footer. He's also from Staten Island, by the way, like Gambardella, <laughs> who I mentioned earlier. And uh, great two-way player. So I really think the Penguins really hit a, you know, I'm not going to say a home run yet, but a good double out of that one at least. So now we don't have Adam on only to talk about hockey because, as everybody knows, this is this podcast. We'd like to have people on. So, what are you listening to lately? Wow, you know, you're almost like asking the wrong guy. You should ask my son because uh, he worships Metal Blade. So, um. <laughs> sorry, are you guys still there? Hello. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, my, sorry. Uh, I thought... my, uh, my ear, my ear thing just. Ah, there. something happened there. So wait, so who was giving me stick at the beginning of the show about technology? <laughs> well, it's not my fault that, that that the headset went out. I didn't invent the headset. <laughs> so, um, sorry, as I was saying, uh, Brian, I don't know if you heard me, but my, I say you might be asking the wrong guy because my son worships Metal Blade. I think I told you that when I saw you in person. Um, yep. So he listens to literally every new thing and uh, critiques them on facebook and it's like dude you got to start your own podcast so then he you know he plays me all he's going to see anthrax uh next wednesday in philly nice. um so i got him into the old school stuff too but um you know so so he shows me all the new stuff i, I gotta tell you like i feel like i've gotten way behind on the new stuff um so i'm not <laughs> i'm not i i need you to tell me what i should be listening to um as far as as far as new material he's got me he's he has me listening to ghost which is uh interesting Yes. Uh, I'm not sure what you feel on that. Is that is that is that is that have enough cred in the metal world? Those guys are they? Ghost are they is amazing. Cool? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm cool there. Ghost, go, well, Ghost is opening for Iron Maiden this summer, so that'll tell you right there. Right, and I need to see that show, so uh, I'm sure I'll take it. I mean, the funny thing is, my kid like started out this whole thing with Iron Maiden and, and Ozzy because of Rock Band, believe it or not, <laughs> and uh, from that his you know, desire to learn more has taken off. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I like a lot of the current, um, metal. I always tell my son though, that I, I love the music until the, the vocals kick in. I, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't get past the, uh, cookie monster vocals these days. So, um, but the bit, so the bands that don't do that are the ones I guess I, uh, stick with. Yeah. And there's, there's definitely a lot more of those these days too. That's coming back around Clearly, you know, you mentioned Ghost, and they're the ones kind of leading the charge here. But there, there's a right. lot of really good stuff out there. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, he. Uh, but I mean, oh, my honestly, my go-to stuff is I love, you know, I love '80s heavy metal and whatnot, and Metallica, and Anthrax, and all that. But you know, I, I guess uh, my go-to stuff probably will not would not endear you with, uh, endear me with uh, the the, uh, the heavy heavy metal crowd. But I, my 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 number one stuff I always go back to is like Faith No More, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. So that's uh, those are my I'm more the. I guess I I graduated out of the '80s metal, and I really got hung up on that uh, that '90s scene for for that first you know few years of the '90s. And that uh, is all perfectly fine. Those are amazing <laughs> bands. That ten, that tends to be where I go back to. So um, as much I do I do love the metal, but my my interests are pretty diverse. Um, and uh, you know so but but if I you know, if I'm on a if I'm on a cross country trip and I need to uh, make sure I'm awake and uh, it's it's usually. It's usually those bands I just mentioned and Appetite for Destruction. Those will always keep me awake. 
you should uh, you should crash your son's uh, trip to go see Anthrax next week. That's actually a really good bill. It's uh, Anthrax Kill Switch Engage is on that on that, and that's one of the best live bands I've seen. And I think in Philly, I think uh, Jamie Jasper of Hatebreed's opening up with his uh, his new solo album, which came out uh, uh, this week. Um, yeah, which is fantastic. Um, great, great show at the Electric Factory, which is a good venue too. So, oh yeah, I don't know if your son will have you, but you should crash. <laughs> no, we go, to, we go to some things together, and then there's some stuff where I'm like, dude, it's all you. Go, go with your yeah. friends now that he's getting a little bit older. But uh, we just saw Red Hot Chili Peppers together. Um, but you know, I'll go. I'll, I've gone to Warped Tour with them, but now he just wants to be with his buddies. Um, as yeah. far as the the Wednesday, I, I like Kill Switch actually. Um, but that Wednesday, believe it or not, is, you know, the day before the frozen four. So I'll be a little occupied that, that day. Well, that's I'll be in right. I forgot. <laughs> I'll be in Chicago, but he's going, he's going, he's getting his mother to take him. So, um, but like I said, you know, he listens to all, uh, all your stuff and honestly, and I'm not just saying that, but, um, so I, so I depend on him to sort of fill me in. I said, give me, give me the one, you know, don't, don't tell me 20 of them right now, <laughs> you know, because he critiques like every new album that comes out. I'm like, all right, dude, I got to be a little discriminating here. <laughs> Good. The next generation. <laughs> that's what we like. Very important. <laughs> so highly recommend anybody listening that are, that are hockey fans to absolutely watch the Frozen Four. It's April 6th is the first four games, the semifinals uh, on ESPN2. And then the final is April 8th on ESPN. I believe, is it, I don't know, do you know who's doing showing it in Canada? Uh, I don't know. Usually TSN picks stuff up. But I'm not one sure. of the 19 TSN channels will have it. <laughs> TSN 53 TSN and 19 Sportsnet. Yeah, it should be on TSN in, in, in Canada. Anywhere else you can watch it on the web. But it's a phenomenal hockey tournament and, you know, obviously doesn't get nearly the coverage that, that the basketball does out here. But it's really great. You're going to see a ton of NHL, future NHL stars there and, and continue to fall. And Adam, I can't thank you enough for coming on and doing this. Yeah, thank you, man. And, uh, you know, again, just uh, sorry for the being the uh, slip in the end, collegehockeynews.com. That's, that's our mission, actually, because it doesn't get enough coverage, and that's what we try to do. And we're actually having some pregame show coverage leading up to uh, the actual games that are going to be live-streamed on our site. So if you go there, you can listen to what would, you know, like what they would do for the Super Bowl, we'll do through our site, uh, you know, for college hockey. Yeah, I wanted to mention, give out all your social media plugs and all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, collegehockeynews.com is the main thing, but CH News is our Twitter feed, which is pretty active. And uh, that's, the, that's the main ones where you can pretty much find out everything. But we have a lot of, we have a lot of good writers. Uh, you know, it's, uh, like I said, college hockey is not quite popular enough. We're all, this is like the full-time job for all of us. But we have a, real, a lot of talented writers, and I, and, uh, I, I like to see them get exposure uh, that's really what is our currency, so to speak, is just getting that exposure and people liking what we do. And you can follow Adam on Twitter at chn underscore. I hate those underscores, but <laughs> sorry, Wooden M O M M W O D O N. So follow him there. Are you on Instagram or any of these other things as well? No, nah, no, nah, you know I got enough to do, man. <laughs> All right, fair, fair enough. Well, thanks for doing this. Uh, have fun in Chicago. I wish I could go, but that weekend is a complete disaster for me. I have to be in four <laughs> different places, and I'm not sure how many of them I'm going to get to. Uh, but it's a phenomenal tournament. I'll be certainly watching it on TV. And thanks again. We really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.